Hello, welcome to Whip Beyond Measure. My name's Katrina Mayer. And I'm Elle Kammerer. And today we are talking about Persuasion, chapters 5 through 8. Yes, but before we do that, really quick, I just, while it's fresh in my mind, just want to apologize for our audio quality in episode 1. I don't know what happened with my mic, but my voice is very crackly. It's very obviously crackly. I tested my mic today. Things sound good. Um, So fingers crossed that the sound quality in this episode is better. Also, fingers crossed you don't lose power halfway through our recording. Also, fingers (laughs) crossed that your puppies stay asleep because there's lots of puppy noises in episode one. Again, I, the one who's responsible, I'm not going to say her name too loud because she'll just come bounding down the stairs and find the first annoying toy she can. <laughs> yes. Jeez. Uh, it, really, the first episode of this season was not, it, it was didn't cursed. want to get recorded. As, as we it was said, cursed. It, was, it was a cursed episode, cursed. but you know what? We got it out. It's there. I, it can only go uphill from here. Don't say that because no, it could get worse. Trust me, it can only go uphill from here. <laughs> All I have to say is that I nef- definitely need to do some like, like I need to burn some incense and just get out the bad juju or something. <laughs> because while not related to this episode, I don't know if you can actually hear my shitty chair, but my chair broke. <laughs> having a good day the worst (laughs) but anyway anyway let's talk about persuasion let's do it okay so i have this week's super duper quick recap yes you do and i can't wait to hear it um i can't wait to hear how you tell us all about how basically Anne is living every single woman's worst (laughs) breakup so let's get into it Okay, so first off, right off the bat, uh, Sir Elliot and Admiral Croft come to a renting agreement, essentially. So Sir Elliot is happy with them. He met with them. He's like, okay, they're cool, whatever. They're pretty good for a naval officer. They're pretty good. But most importantly, most importantly, Sir Elliot could be okay with being seen out in public with Admiral Croft if he fixes his hair. Mm-hmm. That's the most important thing out of that entire interaction. (laughs) So Sir Elliot and Elizabeth and Anne are supposed to go to Bath. However, Mary, uh, Mary Musgrove, uh, who's the youngest sister, she invites Anne to stay with her in the country instead of sending her off to Bath. Uh, Lady Russell's like, yeah, that's not a big deal. You can come to Bath with me later on in the season. No problem. So Anne decides to stay and she's really happy about that because if we remember correctly, she hates Bath. Yes. However, Lady Russell's a bit upset because instead of Anne going, Mrs. Clay is going. (laughs) And Lady Russell suggests, I think it's Lady Russell. It was a little confusing uh, in the audiobook. Someone suggests that perhaps Mrs. Clay is trying to marry Sir Elliot. That's why she's hanging around. Yeah, we'll get into it. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a big part. To which Elizabeth is like, no, that's silly. She has freckles. That wouldn't work. <laughs> also, she's my girlfriend. Leave me alone. Of course, she's coming with me to Bath. She's my girlfriend. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway. So they go off. Anne stays with Mary. And oh, my God. <laughs> Mary Musgrove. I could not wait for you to meet Mary Musgrove. I was purposefully silent about her because I wanted your real reaction. She is a younger Mrs. Bennett. <laughs> she is. She's just ridiculous. Uh, Anne first comes in and she's like, I'm so sick. I don't even know if I can ring the bell for the servants. And then. After, like, 20 minutes of talking to her sister, she's like, let's go for a walk. (laughs) Anyway. So Anne spends time with her sister and her nephews and her brother-in-law, who uh, we come to find out because, you know, they had that weird courting kind of situation. 
no hard feelings. She actually likes him. However, it was a point to be made that he probably deserved better than Mary. And then uh, she also spends time with his parents. And while Anne is there, everybody takes this opportunity to complain to her about the other people and spill all the tea. (laughs) (laughs) They talk about how Mary's a terrible mom or how the grandparents are too doting or, you know, how Charles doesn't do anything. And it's, it's funny. We find out Anne likes to play the piano and stuff like that. She's not a good singer, but she enjoys playing, which comes into, uh, that's important for later. Uh, once Micklemas comes around, the Crofts take Kellynch Hall and Anne is like, okay, cool. Now I just got to wait and see if uh, Wentworth shows up. Spoiler alert. <laughs> it's fine. I'm not, I'm not concerned I'm so over at all. It's fine. Not even thinking about him. <laughs> but uh, Anne decides to go over and meet the Crofts because I mean, they're living in her house. So it makes sense. Uh, she gets a little bit of, of Wentworth goss in terms of like what's going on with the sister and the brothers. And then she finds out that the Musgroves, it is Musgrove, right? Yep. Musgrove. I keep thinking I write mu- Musgrave in my notes. So that's, I'm, if I accidentally say the wrong one. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, then Anne finds out that the Musgroves have a connection to the Wentworths. Uh, and not just any Wentworth, but her Wentworth. Frederick. Frederick. Uh, apparently, uh, Charles's dumber brother. The older brother. And he was older. Yeah, the older, dumber brother. Uh, he was in the Navy and served under Captain Wentworth. Uh, but how do I put this? <laughs> Delicately. <laughs> he died... And it was probably for the best. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone is in total agreement. (laughs) Well, except for maybe the or the the Musgroves, because they are very upset when they're thinking about their son. And they're very not upset, but they're sad. They're sad after a lot of time has passed. And it's sadness out of respect for the dead, not specifically for him. Well, this sadness and this, like, memory makes them realize, oh, hey, Captain Wentworth is coming to visit his sister. We need to make sure we have dinner with them. I'd like to meet him and thank him for all that he did for our son. And Anna's like, great, perfect, great, wonderful. I doubt he'll even remember me. I, it's fine that my weird family-in-law is going to meet my former lover. Wonderful. I'm fine, I swear. Uh, <laughs> it's it's Anne Elliot is in that meme with the dog and the fires uh-huh, all around. Uh-huh. And she's like, this is fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, so then their first dinner is supposed to happen. But luckily for Anne, her nephew like pops out his shoulder or something. I don't know. Something happens. His collarbone breaks. Oh, his collarbone breaks. That's it. Uh, I knew it was something like that. He's injured. And Anne can't go to dinner. And she's fine. It's fine. This is No fine. problem. But then Frederick kind of shows up for breakfast, sort of, um, in that he's going hunting with Charles and insists on calling on Mrs. Musgrove before they go out. And uh, it's odd awkward it's a thing that happens um and finds out that later he says something like ah and she's changed so much it's beyond recognition and she's just like what the fuck okay what okay anyway uh but she can't get out of an awkward situation that easy because guess what the musgroves decide let's have them all over for dinner so they have a dinner, and this time Anne can't get out of it. And she's like, fuck. But she goes, they have dinner, they sit around. Uh, Charles has two younger sisters, and they're flirting with Wentworth like nobody's business, talking about the Navy. And uh, I will point out that they are not like the Bertram sisters at all. Wentworth shares his naval stories, 
and talks about the ships he was on. It was so exciting. And then Miss Musgrove is like, oh, yes, let's talk about Edward. And he's like, I'm changing the subject. <laughs> and it's totally cool. Um, then there's some dancing. And Anne plays the piano. And then Anne is sad. And that's it for the chapters. Yes. <laughs> oh, Anne. Poor Anne. Like the equivalent of what that first meeting was when he drops by their house. And then what she hears him say about her is basically like when you go to the grocery store in your hometown in your sweats with no makeup on and you accidentally run into your high school crush. That is what Anne is living right now. Uh uh It's rough. And the fact that like he acknowledges her. In that, you know, he's not completely ignoring her. But it's But Kurt. he doesn't say anything. It's very curt. And yeah. then also you get Captain Wentworth, or sorry, you get his insight. It's not like from Anne's point mm-hmm. of view, you actually get his insight as to what he really thinks about her. And it's harsh. Mm-hmm. But we'll get into that um, at some point. Do we just kind of want to go in order? Is there anything you want to talk yeah, about let's before just, that? Let's talk about Sir Elliot and Elizabeth. Yes. Uh, and that whole thing first, because that happens right at the beginning, and then we don't hear about them again for a hot minute. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so the Elliots are preparing to head to Bath. Yes. Um, Lady Russell, actually, she doesn't want Anne to go with them. Lady Russell Mm-mm. is actually preferring that Anne mm-hmm. go with her to Bath at Christmas time. Also, yep. Elizabeth is like, Anne doesn't need to come with us to find a house. She's going to be like useless at this and it's like mm-hmm. one more extra person to worry about and they don't like Anne anyway. They're basically mm-hmm. like the mean girls going to the mall and they're like, Anne, you can't come. <laughs> You're not wearing pink. You're not wearing pink. You can't come with us. Um, So, <laughs> so but Lady Russell isn't able to like get the invite to Anne in time and mm-hmm. she's not sure what to do but luckily the youngest sister Mary who is a total hypochondriac and also pity me and all of this stuff is like I need Anne Anne come stay with me and you know what Anne's you okay with it because she doesn't want to go to Bath she wants to stay in the area and it just works yeah it works out fine for her I was gonna say uh calling Mary a hypochondriac I find offensive as somebody who has hypochondriac yeah but the way Mary does it is way like it's not that she thinks she's sick it's that she has a very poor me pity me attitude anytime she's by herself which is most of the time which is why I don't see it as her being a hypochondriac and more as her just seeking attention well, yeah, but, like, she uses illness to do that. Anyway, so Anne decides to stay because that's what she wants because, again, she doesn't like Bath, and it works for Lady Russell. Um, apparently, the time to go to Bath is in the winter seasons anyway, so her staying in the country until Christmas makes sense. And mm-hmm. I think, I know in the first few chapters, Anne definitely wants to stay in the country as long as possible, and I think Lady Russell agrees because she wants to have Anne nearby. Mm-hmm. So it all works out for Lady Russell, except the fact that the other reason why she wanted Elizabeth, Sir Elliot, and Anne to go to Bath was to get Elizabeth away from Mrs. Clay. Mm-hmm. And Mrs. Clay decides to leave her two sons with her parents, or parent, we don't know if there's a Mrs. We, uh, we just know that her father, yeah. So she leaves her two sons with him and then goes off to Bath with the Elliots. Mm-hmm. And Lady Russell doesn't like this because she thinks that she's gold digging. Well, and Anne is also um, pretty, like, she's, like, suspecting the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so... When Lady Russell makes it a point to say this to Anne, Anne is like, oh, yeah, I can see what you mean. It seems really inappropriate. Let me talk to Elizabeth. And then when Anne does talk to Elizabeth, Elizabeth is like, no, you're crazy. Get away from me. <laughs> she she can't want to marry our father. She can't be looking for that. She has freckles. Well, Nobody the father won't want, want that. Yeah, well, the no, father yeah. won't want her because she has freckles. Exactly. And yeah, the father, like, dad won't want her. And she has an overbite. She has these weird teeth. 
Yeah. And we know that he's not into that. So she knows he's not into that. That's not what's happening. Don't be silly. She's just a very important companion of mine. Of course she must come. Yeah. Nothing suspicious. Nothing suspicious at all. Not at all. It's totally fine. They're just BFFs who are going to live in this house together all by themselves. Nobody else suspect the wiser. It's fine. Oh, there's also a line in there about uh, Elizabeth says something about Mrs. Clay not wanting marriage. Like how she doesn't believe in marriage anymore. Oh, it's because Mrs. Clay, very much like the rest of the family, think it's improper for people of different ranks to be together. That's it. That's it. And Mrs. Clay knows her station. She knows where she's at. So there's nothing to worry about. Mm-hmm. And also, Father has been single for so long, there's no way, you know, he should be suspected of falling in love with somebody at this point. And then Elizabeth's like, if Mrs. Clay were beautiful, sure. But she's not, so it's fine. She has freckles. And an overbite. <laughs> that tooth of hers. <laughs> but yeah, so those guys go off to Bath and leave Anne in the company of her darling younger sister and her husband and their children. So I have nothing to back this up or really support it. I'm just going off of like... I don't know, craziness, I guess. <laughs> sure. Sure. Um, here's my headcanon. Mm-hmm. I guarantee Charles Musgrove has sex fantasies about Anne Elliot. <gasps> oh my God, that is not where I thought you were going at all. I guarantee it. He is so annoyed with his wife. Like, he knows that Anne is more sensible and he probably could have flourished under Anne. And I think that he, like fantasizes about a domestic life with her and then maybe sometimes little sex fantasies you know it talks in here about how Anne believes that he could have done so much better and that he everyone believes it yeah 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 the his parents the senior mr and mrs musgrove who live in the great house Mm -hmm. um oh yeah lady russell also is known to mention that with a wife who had a better temperament, he could have mm-hmm. really made something of himself. Mm-hmm. But he's just living. He's just surviving. Yep. That's all. He's given up. He he married the wrong Elliot. Now, granted, again, remember, he was supposed to marry Anne, which was all fine and dandy. Why he decided on Mary and not just gave up, I don't know, and tried to find somebody else who might be more like Anne. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Uh but I, I I think that he definitely kind of wishes that he had ended up with Anne. Though to be fair, I don't think Anne would have done much better given no. the ridiculousness of the uh parents in law. <laughs> well, not even that. It's just like Anne knew Wentworth. She knew real, true love, and nothing mm-hmm. would ever satisfy that. I could see a world where if she never had met Frederick Wentworth and she ended up with Charles, she would have been fine. Because she has the temperament to deal with them. I think she would have gotten annoyed with the Musgroves. I don't know. I feel like we're supposed to be annoyed by the Musgroves because Mary is annoyed by them, and then the Musgroves are annoyed by Mary, and it just creates this, like bad feelings all around but like Anne who is more sweet tempered might have been able to like ingratiate herself more with them they might have chilled out more knowing that somebody who has an even keeled mindset is like with their son and raising their grandchildren I don't know I feel like Anne definitely would have done better than Mary has Mm -hmm. in that sense and like fostering a relationship with them because she does see them in a different way. She talks about how she like admires their relationship, but she also talks about the fact that they're not that smart. Like that is kind of specifically said they're nice and they're, you know, she, she sees them together and what it's like to be a couple. Yeah. But they're not that intelligent. Right. Cause they have old ways of thinking. They're very traditional. And I think that she would have continued to admire them for their, 
you know, the things that they have going for them. But I think that she would have found a lot of things about them annoying over time if they were her, her parents-in-law. But that's irrelevant because they're not. But she does still have to suffer them in a certain way because they are still technically related to her now. So, and that suffering happens pretty quickly. (laughs) Yes. There's a lot of back and forth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's literally anytime anybody has a problem with anybody in this circle, they come up to Anne. Anne, oh my gosh, Mary, she's the worst. She's as terrible as a mother. You should talk to her. Oh my gosh, Anne, my mother-in-law is the worst. She's terrible with the children. You should talk to her. And don't even ask me about my husband. He's also the worst. <laughs> yeah. Charles doesn't understand me. He doesn't respect me. He doesn't care about me. He undermines me with the children. Oh, my children are so unruly. They're, I can't control them. They're terrible. Like, <laughs> and I'm sick all the time. I'm ill. Like every other sentence she says, she's ill. Their grandmother gives them too much or too many sweets. Or is it the other way around? I don't remember. It, it Well, Mary says that of the grandmother and like she's always begging them to come over. And then the grandmother's like, we never really see them. And also she like gives them whatever they want. So like it, they're yeah. basically saying the same things about each other in a different way. Yeah. Also, Charles's younger sisters are like, you need to talk to Mary because she's like trying to usurp our mother as like head which technically she is technically yes she is but like anybody with like self-respect would yes realize that you know you're head of the house now but you know still make way for the the main matriarch of the family but also to mary's defense she is a higher stand or standard she is a higher socially than the Musgroves. So it, it, yeah. So it also makes sense that way. So speaking of the sisters, they're very like modern where the parents are very traditional. The sisters were like educated um, out of the country. So they have like slightly more modern sensibilities. They love to dance. They're young women. They're quite ready to be fallen in love with and married at this point. And it's after we get this introduction and explanation of the sisters that the Crofts suddenly enter the picture. They come to take over Kellynch Hall and it's up to Mary to like greet the Crofts as the person of the family still in the area. Um, Mm -hmm. So she takes it upon herself to do that. And I believe Anne is there. Yeah, Anne goes along with... Um, and it's there and, you know, meets Mr. Or sorry, she meets Admiral Croft and Mrs. Croft and they're having this conversation and Mrs. Croft is all of a sudden like, oh, Anne, I believe you know my brother. Did you know he's married? And like her heart stops for like a second because she thinks she's talking about Frederick Wentworth. Mm -hmm. But really, they're talking about the Mr. Wentworth, uh, a different brother. Who is, yes, uh... I had his name. I don't remember what it was. Edward. Edward. Wait a second. Isn't that also Charles's brother? Steve? No. I think I had that wrong in my super duper quick recap. I apologize. Charles's dumb brother's name was Dick. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> Poor Richard. <laughs> Sorry. It's, it's because okay. I saw a note here about about Frederick's brother being named Edward. So go back, listen to my super duper recap, and anytime I say Edward, just imagine I said Dick instead. Poor Richard. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um so yeah, so Anne like almost has a heart attack, um, but then she calms down, even though she's totally over Captain Wentworth and yeah, it's fine. she's totally fine. fine. Everything's fine. This is fine. Everything's fine. She's fine. She's just, she just wanted to really meet the Crofts, not because Mrs. Croft is Frederick's sister, but because they were going to live in her house and she wanted to welcome them and she went with her sister and everything's fine. And she also totally wasn't watching uh, Mrs. Croft's face the whole time to see if there was any recognition as to whether or not she knew who she was and the fact that she was kind of engaged to her brother and then totally blew him off. It's fine. It's she fine. totally wasn't doing it. She like wasn't. she wasn't. And then and then and, and then, then they're all talking of a sudden, about 
Frederick the whole time and what he's doing and where he's at and all the great stuff. And she has to sit there and listen to it. Yeah, and it's fine. She's totally fine. Because again, she's not watching the sister's face to see if she recognizes her. And then all of a sudden having a mild heart attack when she realizes, oh shit, the sister does recognize me. And then proceeding to have another heart attack when the sister informs her about Edward's uh, marriage. But that's not the point. She's totally fine. It's everything is cool. It's fine. It's great. It's wonderful. She's here. They're nice. Everything is fine. Also, I just want to point out that while it seems that Mrs. Croft doesn't seem to realize that Anne and Frederick know each other because she isn't referencing Anne and Edward. Like, oh, you must Mm -hmm. know him. Mr. Wentworth, Edward Wentworth was in the area. You must have met him. He's married. It's Admiral Croft who makes the distinction. Oh, Anne, she was referring to Edward. You know Frederick. So it seems like Admiral Mm -hmm. Croft knows. That she knows him, but maybe yeah. not why, but maybe why. I don't know. Yeah, it is weird. I I was like, wait, does she know exactly what happened? Because the way the book is written, it's very much set up to where when you're reading, you're like, oh, shit, she knows. Oh, shit, he's married. Oh, wait, no, they're talking about somebody else. And then she says something else in reference to what happened with Anne and Frederick. And then they're like, wait, she knows. Wait, no, she's still talking about the other brother. Wait. One of her brothers is coming to visit. Oh, but they were just talking about Edward. Surely they mean Edward. No, wait, they're actually talking about Frederick now. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And now you see why I got Edward and Dick mixed up, because there's just too much going (laughs) on. There's a lot going on. Because immediately after Anne confirms that Mrs. Croft was talking about Frederick coming to visit, that's when she's hit in the face with the news that the Musgroves have a connection to Frederick through their... Stupid dead son, Dick. (laughs) (laughs) We are not saying that Richard slash Dick is stupid. The book is saying that. They like make it a point every time he's brought up to say how stupid he is. Or reference it or just how how it's a really good thing that he's dead. And and that Charles is like the heir now. Like, yeah, between the two of them, Charles is like more capable. So we have to wonder like, What was going on with Dick Musgrove? He was just really dumb. (laughs) Like, that's really it. He's just so stupid. Like, I I don't think, does it tell us how he died? I don't think so. Because I wouldn't be surprised if he, like, fell in a puddle and drowned his first time, or, like, one of the times he got, like, shore leave or something. (laughs) Yeah, I don't. It might, maybe, but I can't think of anything specific. But it was, but Wentworth knew him. It was shortly after he was on Wentworth's ship. um, So he died. So he was, he was with a different captain. He was given to Wentworth and then he was then shipped off to a different captain. Mm -hmm. And it was when he was with that last captain that he passed away. So. But anyway, let's stop talking about Dick Anyway, let's, let's talk about stop Wentworth. talking about that because as soon as <laughs> Anne finds out that Frederick Wentworth has come to down, a few days later, there he is. Yeah. And again, she's fine. She's totally fine. It's fine. Especially because, again, her nephew breaks his collar, so she doesn't have to see him that first night. And she's totally fine with it. It's great. It's fine. <laughs> Did I mention it was fine? Is that a new shirt? Everything's totally fine. Dash Anne Elliot. <laughs> yes, I think it is. Um, you know what? Things are not fine. Anne is like panicked because she's she has all these questions like, will he remember me? Will I feel anything for him? Obviously she will because she still does because she never stops. Like, even if she says mm-hmm. she doesn't, you know, mm-hmm. she wouldn't be thinking about him and all of these things if she were truly over him. Mm-hmm. And I, I know we're glossing over the child who breaks his collarbone and, like, let's just take a moment to pause and realize how serious that is during this time and how they thought it could have been a spinal injury and he's the oldest of the sons, he's the heir. And so, like, it is scary. And, like, yes, the parents are terrified, but then also, 
after like a day, it's like hashtag old news. And the parents are like, well, let's go party again because. (laughs) Well, it's not just hashtag old news. It's, oh, the kid is still injured. And while his injuries aren't as grave as we thought, I like Charles saying to Mary, I still think, Mary, that instead of going to this dinner tonight where we're going to meet Frederick Wentworth, I think that you should stay here with Anne and the nursery maid to make sure that Charles is the baby Charles, the boy Charles, boy Charles, the son, <laughs> the oldest son, their oldest, the oldest son. son is fine. And I think that that would be best. But I, I don't need to be here because you, his loving mother, are going to take care of him and it'll be fine. I I'm a man. I don't know how to take care of children. Like it's mentioned like Charles Musgrove went in to like hang out with his son all of like five minutes and he left. He's like, I just don't know what to do. So I'm going to go to dinner and you're going to be here and it's going to be fine because you're here with your sister and it's fine. Okay. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go get dressed. I'll I'll be back. I'll say goodbye. And then we're going to go. And then Mary is like, yeah, I mean, he should stay home, right? Like if I'm staying home, he should stay home. Also like the kid is fine. Look at him. He's there. He's like, yes, I was worried. I was worried yesterday when we weren't sure, but today we know what's wrong with him. It's fine. Everything's fine. I should I should get to go, right? I sh- and right, like, I should go, right? I should get to go to dinner. <laughs> it's not just that. Like, f- she is talking for so long, and she's like, I'm so worried about my son. I could be in hysterics. Charles needs to stay home. He needs to be here. And then it goes to, well, my kid is fine. I won't be hysterical. I should go with Charles. All in, like, the same paragraph <laughs> of reasoning. She, like, contradicts herself so much. Mm-hmm. And then Anne is like, yeah, you can go to dinner. I'll stay here with him. Because again, she's like, despite the fact that I really want to go and see Frederick because I want to answer all these questions, I'm also terrified and don't want to go and see him because I don't want like any conflict. I, I'm also terrified of seeing him. Yeah. So you go, I'll stay here and take care of the poor dying child. Yeah. <laughs> Who's not dying, but that's not the point. Yeah. And that's what happens. Mary is essentially like, okay, cool. And then she's like, she goes and knocks on the door of her husband's dressing room is like, BT dubs, dude, it's going to take me an hour and a half to do my hair, but I'll see you later. And then they go to dinner. Well, yeah, she's like, I'm going to go. And he's like, that sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Okay. So we got that out of the way. Boom. They go to dinner. They talk about Wentworth. We've talked about the dying child. We've talked we about the dying child. Yeah. We don't need to talk about the dying child again. <laughs> That's not important to this story. The story is about Anne. Okay. Yeah. Anne being fine is the whole point of the story. Okay. So they come back. They're talking about the party and the dinner. Anne is like listening. And then they're like, oh, he's going to come by this morning. We're going to go out shooting, but he wants to see my son and like pay respects to Mrs. Musgrove and just kind of look in. And Anne's like, he's coming right now and I just imagine like bedhead in her dressing gown and slippers not done up for the day because it's the morning and she's like wait when is he coming and then it's like oh he's here now (laughs) I imagine that she's Maybe not so much bedheaded no, in no. a dressing gown, yeah. but like, you know, because they kind of, because breakfast is a little later at their place and stuff. So she's like in a dress, but it's not a nice dress. It's just a day dress. And she's sitting there at the table with like a piece of toast with like eggs on it. And she's just like, huh? And like in the, <laughs> like right at her mouth. And then there's a knock on the door and she's just like, fuck. And then drops it. Eggs go everywhere. Yeah. Of course, none of that happens, guys. But, like, that's just, that's the vibe. It's also not described in detail. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, so he comes in, but he's not alone. The young Mrs. Or, sorry, the young Miss Musgroves are with him. By the way, they're mm-hmm. Henrietta and Louisa. Those are Charles's mm-hmm. younger sisters. They're also with him. So not only is she having to see see him and he's going to see her for the first time in years but there's the added pressure of there's also Charles's younger supplier prettier sisters like right there who have been like hanging on his every word since they met him the night before yes um yeah and we also find out after this meeting which is hella awkward he doesn't mm-hmm. like 
he acknowledges everybody, but it's very curt. I don't even really think he like says anything no. directly to Anne at no. all. It's like a quick glance and then he's done and out. I'm sure it's kind of like, you know, in like Pride and Prejudice when like Darcy or Bingley would like enter a room, they would kind of like look at everybody and kind of like nod their head and stuff like that. I'm sure it was like something like that, like an acknowledgement. Oh, there's two people here. Okay, cool. But he's speaking to either Charles or Mary pretty much the whole time. Yeah. And so it happened and then Anne Anne like, gets Whoa! a little bit of relief. It's over. <laughs> All right. I've seen him for the first time. He's seen me for the first time. Okay. The worst is over. And then like right it's after fine. she's thinking, okay, the worst is over. Here comes back in one of the Musgrove girls and is like, oh my gosh, Anne, do you know what he said about you? He said... Captain Wentworth is not very gallant by you, Anne. Oh, sorry. No, this is from Mary. Not the must. Sorry. Mm -hmm, This is from mm -hmm. Mary. Um, She heard it from the Musgrove sisters. Yes. Though he was so attentive to me, Henrietta asked him what he thought of you when they went away. And he said, you were so altered, he should not have known you again. (sighs) That's just so harsh. Upon hearing that. Anne goes from, it's fine, it's cool, it's totally fine, everything was fine, it's, it's fine, to shit, it's not fine. She's what like, did he mean by that? So Why would he say that? Have I really changed that much? Surely I've changed, but surely he has changed as well. In all the good ways he's changed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Still mm-hmm, just as handsome, mm-hmm. rich, all this good stuff. But she just like keeps replaying those words in her head, and she knows that he, him saying that, He never met those words to get back to her, Mm -hmm. but yet they did. And then it's right after that that we get Wentworth's insight. And like this is essentially from his point of view about how he really feels about seeing Anne. Well, this is, um, there's a couple of places and there might be one right after the other for, uh, in here, uh, where we get not only his point of view of what he thought when seeing Anne, but also a conversation he had with his sister upon arriving in the area. Very and these, important. According to the annotated version, uh, this this is like the only conversation or only real like insight that Anne doesn't specifically hear or see yeah. in this book. So that's why it's really important. Yes. So. And that insight is that while Captain Wentworth is on his shore leave, he intends to get married. Mm-hmm. And in describing to his sister the type of woman he wants, he pretty much describes He Anne. describes <laughs> Anne! Uh, and it's just... Uh, it's gut-wrenching because... But it also because- says something, he, something about the, along the lines of, like, he really didn't have interest in seeing or possibly marrying Anne, but the woman he describes is Anne. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, all of that happens right at the very end of chapter seven. Mm-hmm. So i i do want to I do want to read those parts because, like, they're so close together, and there's such oh, a juxtaposition right of his feelings. And I just think it's really important to note it to note these things because it just shows you how conflicted Wentworth is, and mm-hmm. really, it's foreshadowing to see that he's not really over her um okay so after he makes the comment about Anne and she's super embarrassed here are his thoughts he had thought her wretchedly altered and in the first moment of appeal had spoken as he felt he had not forgiven Anne Elliot She had used him ill, deserted and disappointed him, and worse, she had shown a feebleness of character in doing so, which his own decided, confident temper could not endure. She had given him up to oblige others. It had been the effect of over-persuasion. It had been weakness and timidity. So, and then it explains how before he was very warmly attached to her, he has never met another woman like Anne Elliot since he got over her. And even though he was curious to see her, now he's like, you know what? I don't need to see her again. I'm done. It's over. I'm going to marry somebody else. Like, this is my intention. And so he says to his sister, here's what I want. Anybody between 15 and 30 may have me for asking 
a little beauty and a few smiles and a few compliments to the Navy, and I am a lost man. And then he, um, as he said it, his sister, like, was like, yeah, right, I know you. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, because his bright, proud eyes spoke the happy conviction that he was nice, and Anne Elliot was not out of his thoughts when he more seriously described the woman he should wish to meet, a strong mind with sweetness of manner. This is the woman I want. It's fine. It's <laughs> totally fine. fine. It's fine. But I do feel like even though Anne isn't far out of his thoughts, like he's still mad. And like, I think seeing oh, yeah. her jarred up a lot of those anger emotions. And to be honest, mm-hmm. I don't think he means Anne is super altered in her looks. And I also don't believe, even though we joked about it, I don't mm-hmm. believe she really is that much changed in what she looks like. Like, she's been going through a rough patch, mm-hmm. you know, but I, you know, she's still just as, like, beautiful as she always has been. And I think just, like, seeing her and, like, having those feelings, like, he just said that because he was angry and he wanted to, like, say something cutting to, like, put his feelings out there. You know? So I also wonder, and I didn't think about this until we were talking about how I said, uh, Anne was thinking, well, he says that I've changed beyond recognition. Well, he has also changed. And you said, yeah, in good ways. Because well, that's what Anne that, says. Right. No, exactly. But that's the thing is that, like, we don't know necessarily whether or not he meant, like, like yeah, she's changed. And while he might have said it in a way that's supposed to be cutting because he wanted it to be cutting, there isn't anything that says that, hey, she changed in good ways, too. Like, like he doesn't say that she's more or less ugly or beautiful than she was before uh, or or that, you know, the way she holds herself is better or worse. Um, So like because. Just because you change in a way that is unrecognizable doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Also, he saw her all of like five minutes. I, you and know, she that's had egg just on her not shirt. enough time. Yeah, no. literally and figuratively, <laughs> egg on her. Um, but like that, that even more points to the fact. Like I know it says that he thought her wretchedly altered, but I don't think that mm-hmm. really has much to do with her looks or really how she is. And it's more about how he's feeling and how he's mm-hmm. reacting in this moment. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that that was really a gut reaction and, uh, yeah, like a punch to, a punch to his stomach he in a way. because like he's he like, wants her to feel hurt. And that's, yeah, that's yeah, why he said he, it. He was also probably like, like pre going over there to, to meet Mary would be like, oh yeah, I'm gonna have to meet Anne again. Okay, fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. fine. I'm over it. It's fine. It's totally fine. <laughs> and then he sits down and he sees her and he's like, this isn't fine. Cool. Hi, Mary. Let's go, Charles. <laughs> yeah. I am no then he's longer like, yeah, okay. Yeah, no, now I feel like shit. I am not fine. This is not fine. No, I said it was fine. It's not fine. <laughs> no. So he goes off, and then chapter eight um, really is they meet each other at a dinner. Like Anne can't escape spending mm-hmm. a longer amount of time with him, and like, well, so it's, it's not just at this dinner that she can't get away from him right. because their circles become entwined now. Sure. So they're seeing each other kind of regularly and this is just one of the dinners or one of the interactions that they've had yeah so we i just want to say that because there isn't a lot of interaction between the two of them uh and and while that might seem odd this chapter Anne is really kind of in the background which again might seem a little odd but we have to remember that this isn't the second time they've been around each other this is after a while so any kind of weird maybe like hey, hi, nice to see you again, probably already happened. Yes, exactly. Um, But at the dinner that is being specifically described in Chapter 8, because, yes, it does start off that they're in each other's circles, they see each other a lot, but then it describes probably, I would say, the most recent dinner that Mm -hmm, they're mm -hmm. at. And it's pretty hard to, like, not only read, but, like, if you're Anne Elliot, it's probably pretty hard to be there because she's Mm -hmm. seen – Henrietta and Louisa fawning all over him and he is very clearly enjoying their attentions yeah he's 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 witty uh I really like seeing his personality because it's the first time we really get to see it um outside of when we see his POV talking to his sister Mm -hmm. um he's he 
like he's witty, he's funny, he likes to kind of joke around and kind of pick on people a little bit in flirting ways and stuff. And there's a lot of back and forth between him and the two sisters. Um, And yeah, it really is showing that he's a pretty decent guy. And so we're just like, well, I also want to point out that at one point, and reflects on on the fact that she did have to give him up. I don't remember exactly where this hits, so that's why I'm kind of bringing it up. Now. Oh yeah. And at one point, she thinks about the fact that essentially her giving him up had been an over persuasion of her by other people. Yes. And she reflects on that after she has spent time with him and sees him again, and is starting to realize that that really was kind of a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So also like just to add on how you're like saying how he's witty, his back and forth with the sisters, like all of that. He likes to joke, you know, he has a great personality. He's also showing like a really strong character because even though, yes, Dick Musgrove was probably the bane of his (laughs) ship, like it was just probably really annoying for him. He does kind of show that in an instant look when he's brought up by Mrs. Musgrove and, like, the rest of the family. But he quickly remembers where he is, and he is all, like, kind and, like, warm. And he goes over and he sits right next to Mrs. Musgrove and he talks to her about her son. And, like, he's really nice about it. Mm -hmm, So, mm -hmm. yeah. And... While I'm not a big fan of reading the chunks of Austin's books about the Navy, because I don't really care that much, mm-hmm. um, he tells a lot of stories about his time uh, on ships and stuff like that. And it's not, it, it doesn't come off as him bragging or anything like that. It's truly an entertaining story to tell these people. It's not like, let me tell you about how amazing I am as a captain and stuff like that. It really is like, them asking questions and him answering and, you know, entertaining with these stories. And then again, talking as little as possible about Dick Musgrove. Yes. Um, eventually also they get on a conversation. I don't know if it's at that dinner or at a different time, but they get on the conversation of like women aboard ships and how Frederick Mm -hmm. is very much like, I would never have a woman on ship. I never do this. And they're like contradicting him. Like, well, you carried this woman and her children. And he's like, that's different. That was for my best friend. I do anything for that man. I love that man. That man kept me warm. We, I was the big spoon. He was like, they Uh are like very bonded. And he's like, that's different. Mm-hmm. I do that for him for at like at any time. Um mm-hmm. and then she's like, "Well, you forget about me. Like mm-hmm. I'm married to the admiral. I am very comfortable yeah, on a sister. ship. Yeah. This is fine." And he's like, "You're different and yeah." Well, like cuz the conversation is is half like women shouldn't be on ships because of, you know, kind of the whole idea behind like a woman on a ship is a curse to the ship. Right. And the whole, but it's played off as women can't be comfortable on ships. And his sister's like, I used to travel with my husband on the ship all the time. It was fine. There were like a couple of us. Like, what are you talking about? We're fine. (laughs) And that conversation also is intertwined with like the topic of marriage and, you know, Mm -hmm. all this stuff that he's like, I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't do that. And they're like, oh, yes, you would. And he's like, see, there you go. Like, as soon as I say this, everybody always says, oh, when you're married, it'll be different. And all I can say is, okay, fine. (laughs) (laughs) So they're like really giving him a lot of crap. And Mm -hmm. it's funny. It's it's a funny uh, back and forth. It's interesting because when we've seen other Austin characters come into these circles and kind of start to become friends with the other characters, uh, you can kind of see when somebody's going to maybe be a problem. Like you can get that from the Crawfords. You can get that from Frank Churchill and stuff like that. But this like grouping, like these people, you can tell that, you know, everybody's getting along. That yeah. Admiral Croft is getting along with, with Wentworth. That the Musgroves are getting along. That Charles is getting along and stuff like that. So, like, it doesn't give you that initial idea that uh, something bad is going to happen or that he has, ne- or that uh, Wentworth has, like, nefarious kind of thoughts or something. Right. So even if you didn't know that he's the hero of the story, as opposed, you know, he's the opposite of Anne, like, you wouldn't 
look into it thinking, oh, there's something weird about him, like you do with Henry uh, Crawford or Frank Churchill. Yeah. So. Um, there's dancing. Yep, it ends with a little ball. They invite, like, a family of cousins that live nearby. Anne plays the piano, mm-hmm. and she has a very awkward interaction with Wentworth. <laughs> And yeah. yeah, he takes her chair. He he sits down at the piano fine. to play a little it's bit, fine. and Anne is like just coming nearer to listen. And he looks up and he's like, "Oh shit, this is your spot. I'm gonna go." And she's like, "No, it's fine." He's like, "Nope, I'm going." It's fine. It's fine. It's totally fine. It's, it's fine. fine. This so she plays, and uh, Wentworth does eventually ask one of the sisters uh if Anne dances and they're like she doesn't dance anymore she's beyond that she just plays and you could kind of get the sense that maybe maybe he was kind of hoping he could ask her to dance because that's what people do in these novels yeah <laughs> and then Anna's sad and that's the end that is the end <laughs> so yeah so I don't know where this is going to go next. Like, I don't see a setup for anything interesting happening outside of more awkward, everything is fine content. So, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty accurate. (laughs) Just going to rename this book, Everything is Fine by Jane Austen. (laughs) Okay, well, I think that's all we have for these chapters. That's it. That's it. Next week, we'll be reading chapters 9 through 12. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. I can count. Right? I, I like counted on my like fingers. I, yeah. <laughs> and then I nodded. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can tell. She's like doing the... Yeah. Okay. I was right. So next week, chapters 9 through 12. Uh, so we will see you then. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Beyond Measure is hosted by me, Katrina Mayer, and me, Elle Kammerer. We're part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Our music was composed by Shane Ivers, and our artwork was created by the beautiful and talented Katie Keneally. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can find us on our website at withbeyondmeasure.com. Or follow us on Instagram for all of our updates, memes, and just fun stuff. Our handle is at WBM Podcast. I'm going to say that again. It's WBM Podcast.